Please be seated. Today, as we stamp and shiver and salt and shovel and smile at each other and deal with all kinds of powerful news, not the least of which they tell me that there's snow on the ground in every state in the Union except Florida, including Hawaii, which is pretty amazing. I don't think that's ever happened. And the frighteningly tragic news from Tucson about the murderous insanity of somebody. I come to you from Friday night service over at John Calvin Presbyterian Church where in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is officially tomorrow, there was a gathering of people from Islam and Judaism and Christianity all in common what we had was that we're here in Henrietta together as a community and the music was stunning. The gospel choir from Sperry High School was beyond belief. You uh, wouldn't believe that they were high school kids doing it and the fellowship in the room and the stories that were told were absolutely wonderful and it's a time when we can ponder a little bit what it takes to have a spiritual life, what it takes to be the kind of people we want to be. Spiritual life might be defined as getting in the habit of resisting the temptation to let somebody else's pain take the place of your own, to rely on other people to absorb your discomfort and instead take responsibility for your own and maybe a little bit of theirs that they can't handle. I guess another way to put it would be uh, a spiritual life would be being slightly more interested in whether somebody else's tummy is full than whether your own is full. That would be a good way to say it. But another way we can contemplate this is by looking at this story of John the Baptist, whose witness, whose life centers around the recognition of the risen Christ and the recognition of Jesus as an emissary of God in the flesh. Isaiah prophesied that one was coming, one would come, and that was the, the age-old prophecy that sooner or later one would come to take care of the message from God to the people, and that one would be chosen and anointed and empowered and sent to all the nations. In his, in the psalm, the, the psalm is an old song that celebrates the deep human desire to be that one ourselves. I want to be that one. I want to be chosen, anointed, and empowered, and sent. And it's possible for me to be that. And when St. Paul writes to the Corinthians, he goes a step further and says, I am that one. That's me. I am the one. Chosen, anointed, empowered, and sent. And not only that, so are you. I'm the one, and so are you as followers of the risen Christ. And so what's going on in the, in, in the gospel story of John the Baptist? John the Baptist is often referred to as the last of the Old Testament prophets because he says, one is coming. And the first of the New Testament prophets because he says that one is here. And so in his story, we see what goes on, and we see exactly how it works on the ground, in the river, 
in the flesh. We've talked about it, we've sung about it, we've declared about it, and, and John the Baptist's story is to, is to show us exactly what happens and how it looks through the life of Jesus. So John is a link, not a missing link, but the link, the last of the old and the first of the new. A little digression in the world of 12-step recovery, the, the central text is called Alcoholics Anonymous, and it was written in the 30s, and it gets studied like scripture uh, by people who are in recovery, and, and one of the, the most significant passages is often read aloud, and it's entitled How It Works, and how it works on the ground, a step-by-step -step process, and it begins, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And they asked the fellow who wrote the book, Bill Wilson, some years later, if there was anything he would, have cha he would change in the whole book. And he said, one word, only one word in the whole book would I change. I'd change that word rarely to never. And that's it. I would have it say, never have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our footsteps. Okay, of course, begs the question, what does thoroughly mean? But I'm not sure we'll answer that today. Uh, that has to be, be lived out. But... This is what John the Baptist is saying, and this is what Jesus comes out of the water saying, is that the path is here, and if you follow it, it works. It works very well. And what, what is the enterprise? The enterprise is growing up. The enterprise is putting others on an equal footing or maybe even slightly above yourself. It's thinking more deeply about what it means to be a, a person of God, to rethink, to repent, to turn and and think again, that is the enterprise, and that's what we're engaged in. Immediately upon his baptism, Jesus rose up and started pointing at people and recognizing them and naming them. And two fishermen showed up, Andrew and Simon, and, and, and Jesus pointed at Simon and said, You, I see you, I know you, you're Peter, you're the rock upon whom, upon which the church will be founded. And Peter, you know, he's just a fisherman from down the road, down the coastline a little bit, a schlub who happened to show up and be available. But he presented himself and asked to know who he was, and Jesus named him. Peter was just willing, and his willingness was the key to the whole matter. He was named and thereby transformed into the suffering servant awaited, prophesied, desired, and there he was, and his triumph became his humility, the paradox of Jesus' ministry. Jesus preached, blessed are the meek, and it's hard for me often to understand exactly what that's supposed to mean. Frederick Buechner, the famous uh, Christian writer, points out that we should be very careful not to get ourselves involved in uh, our one translation alone for the Bible, that there's only one way to translate that. He looks at a French Bible that translates, instead of blessed are the meek, it says, heureux sont les debonaires, which means happy are the debonair. Wow, I like that. <laughs> blessed, that sounds a lot spicier than blessed are the meek. Happy are the debonair but you can't fake it. You can't just pretend to be happy. You can't just pretend to love. There's the proverb goes, uh, 
a monkey dressed up in silk is still a monkey. And you have to really get into the, into the neighbor love thing. Here's what Martin Luther King said about the neighbor love thing. It's no mean feat. He said, it's pretty difficult to like some people. Like is sentimental. And it's pretty difficult to like somebody who's bombing your house. But Jesus says to love them. And love is greater than like. Love is understanding, redemptive, creative goodwill for all people. That's what King said. And the result, if we try and do this, is that we will be happily debonair. I don't know what that means exactly, but it sounds nice. In fact, it sounds a little oppressive every day to be happily debonair. I think sometimes meek is just as well, you know. Meek is even better. But the point is that we will know peace. We will know the kind of peace that passes our understanding, and there will be a deep peace in us. And here is King talking about peace. If we are to have peace on earth, he says, our loyalties must transcend our race, our tribe, our class, and our nation. This means we must develop a world perspective. Now the judgment of God is upon us, and we must either learn to live together as brothers or we will perish together as fools. What he's saying is that we are responsible for each other's salvation. We tell the stories, but we are responsible for each other's salvation. And what our stories today are telling us is that we will not fail. We have all we need for the journey. We have all we need for the enterprise. We are chosen, anointed, empowered and sent, like Peter, to tell our friends and our family about what we've learned, about what we've been given as a gift. And all that's left for us is to begin. Just begin anew each day, baby steps, little steps. The Wolof have a proverb, balanga jitujot, which means if you want to go somewhere, first all you have to do is just reach. Just reach in that direction. It doesn't mean you have to triumph. Just reach, and you will move. I'll let Dr. King have the last word. He says, faith is taking the first step, even when you can't see the whole staircase. Baby steps, a little reach. Mount the staircase, even though you're not quite sure where it's going. And you will be with God. Amen.